All right. I was a little bit sleepy. Uh, but I can I can go now. Mama Bell woke me up. <laughs> if you start laughing over there. I'm not. Oh. Praise the Lord. Laugh on, laugh on. Why is she laughing? Mama Bell said, well, since she's sleeping, you can preach 10 minutes shorter. I just woke right up. <laughs> you know what to say? <sighs> she mm. said, you can cut 10 minutes off your messages. Mahon, what? Huh? No, no. No, that's against the law. Thou should not show it. Yeah. yeah. This morning, this morning, Mama Bell here. Mama Bell, I ain't, I ain't gonna bother with you on this morning. Oh. Mama Bell, go ahead and get ready to close that piano. Get your fingers in the water. Get your fingers in the water. They're gonna put some things in your mind this morning for you to pray for. Uh, I would like for you to consider in your prayers this morning, in your thoughts and in your prayers. I'm not going to tell, uh, uh, we like to call him the bald-headed preacher. I'm not going to tell him what to pray for. But uh, uh, we would like for you to consider what is going on up in D.C. You know, they're going to start fighting again up in there. Uh, every time one of those judges retire, you know, World War Five, Three, Nine, and Ten breaks out. And so keep D.C. in your prayers as they head into that next piece of business. And, and then keep uh, your own state in your prayers. Pray for our teachers. Yeah. Would you, would you pray for them? This uh, new uh, 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 Commonwealth executive, that's another term for the governor, has made what is now known as, uh, there's a name, it totally just escaped me, but uh, its objective is, this position is to police our teachers. And the central focus of policing our teachers is to make sure that they are not teaching uh, black history in a way that is offensive. To them. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And the objective is to go around and they're literally putting people on the payroll. To just go around to the classes and uh, check teachers out. Make sure history class is being taught a certain way. Ooh. And a lot of teachers are, uh, are jumping off ship like, 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 faster than that tea fell off that, uh, that harbor over there in Boston. Uh-huh. So pray for our teachers, our educators. And then keep our representatives in prayer. Note, I didn't say our leaders. I said our representatives. 
I believe it's very important that uh, we remind them who they work for. Sometimes they get in these positions and they forget that they are there to do the people's business. And so keep them in your prayers and your in your thoughts and even if it's not one of the leaders that you felt like should uh, hold the position, please still keep them in your prayers. If anything, that they will, uh, uh, well, did the Lord deal with them? I can't, I, I can't say that enough of that. And finally, keep what we do around here in your prayers. As we, uh, as, you know, this, this piece of business here has found a way to uh, whether COVID, whether Nor'easters, whether two snowstorms, there's a lot of churches who have found solace in this model. Uh, a lot of people who have found solace in this model. And so uh, we are thankful for the opportunity to be able to worship even though uh, the weather does not cooperate with our uh, transitioning physically <laughs> and so keep the work that we are doing around here in your prayers as I was mentioning earlier not just because of the the weather at least for us that we can do this but also because of the limitations that's being put on our houses of worship uh I was having a conversation with uh, someone in the political world that I, I speak to frequently when I want to navigate through the waters, and uh, she began to say, she said, Erica, what you need to do is you need to uh, look forward to some churches. And I said, what am I looking for? And she said, look forward to them. Uh, cowering down a little bit. I said, why would I do that? He said, because this new Commonwealth executive is coming for tax exemptions. What that means is, for so long, people and some folks have walked down a first virtual for that purpose because they could not uh, get tax write-offs on their uh, for uh, giving here now they're going to realize that tax write-off ain't worth their soul and the reason why I say they tax write-off is not worth their soul because anything that you get a tax break on the government can control and so that's going to be the latest conversation a lot of our house of worship is going to be faced with is uh, when their tax exemption, when their tax exemption meets a governor that would like to dictate what they preach and don't preach, so there's a lot to pray for uh, as we uh, head down the road here over the next uh, three years and some change. I guess we could still say we're in 
we're pushing closer to four. So those are the thoughts, Mama Bell, just to keep in your personal prayer while Mama Bell is uh, over there doing what she does on those black and white keys. Mama, if you will. Okay. I guess I forgot to tell brother. Oh, yeah, never mind. He knows. Okay, good. I thought you didn't know. That's all right. You know what? I was sleeping. I was listening to Mama Bell enjoying the music. Just wish her some more of it. Thank you, Mama Bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, wake up and take your medication. All right. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> tell him. Wake up and take his medication. He had his medication yeah. in the piano. Come back, come back inside. Quit playing out there in the snow. I know you like playing out the snow every weekend now, so, you know. But if you're like me, you went out and looked around and said, that looks pretty. Let me get back inside. 
really chilly out there yesterday, but that's okay, you know. By the end, of, by the middle of this week, we'll be out uh, running around in shorts. It's going to be so warm. It's February, anyway. So, well, good morning, everyone. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. And, uh, it, it's always good to smile and uh, reflect. Um, the things that Eric mentioned this morning about praying for are, are very important. Uh, we should always pray for our government officials, whether they be in D.C. or here at local Norfolk or even in, uh, in Richmond. You know, some of them have a struggle every day. And uh, you know, my prayer is every one of them gets on their knees and talks to God before they go into work and do their business uh, and not be dissuaded by things. That's all I'll say. Uh, you know, it's trying. It's trying for them. It's trying for us. As long as we walk on this, this, in this world, it will be trying for us. You know, it's, it's a, uh, I don't know. I, I know I speak for my myself and uh, I can only do that. I can't speak for y'all or for what's going on in your lives, but you know, it seems like every time we, we get going, we, we run into a snowstorm. There you go. You know, sometimes things slow us down. And uh, sometimes we've got to dig our way out. You know, we've got to dig our way out of what we, maybe what we committed or what we started or what we caused. But, uh, you know, the good thing is that there's always hope and we can always dig our way out. Yeah, and this is something that God talks to us about all the time in His Word, and uh, hopefully uh, in His in His thoughts to you, you know, in your prayers to Him. You know, what do you ask God for? You know, do you ask Him for that pink Cadillac? Uh, maybe. Should you ask Him for that pink Cadillac? He doesn't tell you not to. That's all I'll say about that. You know, I think that. Uh, you know, my expectations for what God should do to me, for me, not to me, because he's, you know, he does enough stuff to me to begin with. But, you know, what, what do I expect from God? Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a hard question sometimes to answer, right? We expect God to do a lot of things for us. But, you know, the Bible tells us what he'll do for us. And, and we, have to, we have to rely on that. We have to put stock in that. We have to put our heart in that. We have to listen to what the Bible tells us. You know, uh, no matter, you know, Eric's been talking uh, about Genesis about the beginning of the last couple of weeks and years, it seems, but he'll get over that. Uh, you know, but there's all, all the books in the Bible, you know, whether it's Genesis or whether it's Revelation. You know, we pick one. This week I picked one right after uh, Genesis, Exodus. Exodus, Exodus, what's Exodus about? Exodus about the Exodus. You know, hopefully y'all understand what that is when, you know, when the Israelites decided, okay, had enough of this guy. Let's get out of here. Where are we going to go? Well, they started. And you know the story, right? Okay, so I'm not going to go into that. But in the beginning of Exodus, well, kind of in the beginning, you know, there was a lot of squabbles and a lot of things going on. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of back and forth. And, and we have to remember that, you know, Moses and, and Aaron and, and all the leaders, they talk to God a lot. <laughs> God talks to them. God got Moses by the, the, uh, the collar, so to speak, and uh, 
but come here, let me talk to you. You know, and and the Lord, you know, he uh, he let him know what was going to go on. But it was up to Moses to pass all those words and all those thoughts on to the people. And in Exodus 15, verse 2, he says, The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God. And I will praise him. My God's Father. And I will exalt him. You know, Wow. You know, and if we could just, I mean, you know, I talk about this all the time. You just grab a verse and just read it. I mean, this tells you everything that you need to know about who God is. He's the strength. He's your defense. He's your salvation. And he's your God. And you will praise him. And I will exalt you. What? All the time. Every day. There it is. It tells you everything he can do for you. He can defend you. He gives you the strength. He gives you your salvation. And all you have to do is praise Him and exalt Him and tell people who He is. Is that so hard to do? In this world, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. But, you know, we draw the strength from who? We draw the strength from God. You know, some days I get up and I'm like, oh, man, what should I do today? Should I just pull over and go back to sleep? If you want to do that, raise your hand. Yeah, I know. Eric talks about, oh, i got to go back. i got a uh, you know, date with a pillow at 705, so i got to hurry up and go. And, uh, yeah, I understand that. You know, sometimes you need that extra sleep. But sometimes you need that extra talk with God, too. So we should travel this week, as you, you know, as you look around outside, even today. You know, they have pictures of the... Well, on the internet and the paper, and they're all over about how pretty the, the snow is and how beautiful it is. Well, that's true. You know, even though it's causing, you know, the, the, the water and the storms causing havoc up north, you know, look at the other side. Look what happens. You know, what does that do to people? Does it bring out the good in people, or does it bring out the bad in people? You know, there's stories about people helping people because of. Uh, bridge collapses and automobile wrecks and all that's good, you know. So people need to help people, and we have to help each other. But most of all, we have to remember who is our salvation, who gives us the strength to do what we need to do, and we should what? Praise Him and thank Him, you know. know, Why? Why do you do what you do? Because God tells me I should do that. Why do you pray? Because God tells me I should. And you know that when you talk to God, He talks to you. We all know that. We just have to be smart enough to listen to it. Amen. So as you go this week, as you travel and work, and whatever it might be, from shoveling snow to flipping burgers, or maybe playing a piano. I know. Mama Bell thinks about God and Jesus every time she sits on a down on a stool and starts playing. Because what's she doing? She's praising. She's praising God. Not only with her with her physical ability, but I'm sure she's praising God in her mind as she's praying. Thanking him for what he's doing for her. And that's what we should do. We should thank God. As we're taking those steps, we should thank God. 
the sun looks out the window and see things that maybe I'm seeing for who knows. Right? We understand that the last time. Or when I see things that maybe aren't there. <laughs> who do we talk to? Who do we thank? We thank God. And we should do that. Thank you, God. Thank you for giving me another day. Thank you for letting me put my feet on the ground. Thank you for letting me be who you want me to be. And please, 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 keep making me, keep making me the person I should be in your eyes, in your sight. Because I want to continue to be that strong person. I want to stand up against the, the evils of the world. But most important, I want to continue to pray. 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 Not only for what's going on around me with my family, but what's going on in the world so that we may make the difference that we as Christians can say, oh, look what's going on. Look what's happening. And if my prayers help us to do that, oh, of course. If it's good, it's because we care. It's because God cares. And God loves us. And he wants us to be in with him. He wants he offers us his salvation so that we can be with him. Think about that as we go. Think about that as we encounter problems and trials and whatever might come in your way. You know, take a step back and say, oh, I'm loved. I'm loved by God. A better love is that. There is none. Amen and amen. God bless. Brother Eric. Amen, amen, amen. I always enjoy hearing you on your wonderful meditation. I don't know if I how I feel about you attacking my relationships with my pillow, but we'll <laughs> let that go. I have wonderful relations on Wednesday. I have wonderful relations on Wednesdays with my pillar, and on Sundays too. Uh, and the good thing about what we do around here is it allows you the opportunity to to get the best of both worlds, as Brother Dennis says. You can talk to your Savior as you're going down to your pillar. You don't have to get up and. Get all fancy, put on that fruit basket and them seven inch pumps with those full layer stockings and head down there to that, that building to show off to somebody. But you can come, you can pray, you can uh, get what you need from your creator, and then you go on back to doing whatever the Lord has required of you. Maybe it is sleep. Sometimes it's better to sleep. A whole lot of feelings get saved when you sleep. Don't cuss them out. Just go to sleep. Let the Lord bless you. Speaking of blessings, I want to read a little something to you before Pastor Booth comes to pray for us. 
called our advocate says look up my soul with cheerful eye see where the great redeemer stands the glorious advocate on high with precious incense in his hands he sweetens every humble groan he recommends each broken prayer recline thy hope on him alone whose power and love forbids despair. Teach me, or teach my weak heart, O gracious Lord, with stronger faith to call thee mine. Bid me pronounce the blissful word, my Father God, with joy. Divine Past Boot Most gracious and most gracious everlasting Father, we honor you this morning. We come to love upon you, to give your name the praise and the glory for who you are. You are our God, and it's in you that we put our trust. We come, Lord God, as kingdom citizens, as your children. As your word has faithfully demonstrated and, and echo out the sounds of how you loved us so much that you put together 66 books to give us direction to where you are. And thank you for that cross and the finished work of the cross. We thank you for the birth, the life, and the death, and the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for the place that you have placed us. Now we can come to you with great joy and gladness. And also with fear and trembling and respect to you for who you are. And then we can lift our heads and square our shoulders back and walk with assurance that you are with us and you always with us and you are God, that you comfort us and you cheer us and you, you tell us that we are your own and we glorify you, Lord. And as we come this morning, we decided not to do anything less but to praise and worship you. Lord, as we have come and gather for this service, Father, our arms and our ears, our hearts is open, Lord God, that you may download in us what you need for us to have. Father, that you would stretch us beyond our limitations and pour inside of our hearts what we need. Jesus. And Father, we thank you, Lord God. Jesus. We need you. Oh, we need you. Jesus. Every hour we need you. Yes. Oh, bless us now, thou Savior. Yes. We come to thee. Yes, and Father, if we come as your children. Lord God, we might have some age on us, but we still come as your children. Yes, Been through many storms, but we still come to you as your children. We may have children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, but we still come as your children. Yes, 
Because you are our Heavenly Father. And it is, you take care of us. Yes, you do. You woke us up this morning. It was you. It was you. It was not so much the sound of the clock or the phone, but it was you that touched us. You gave us life. And we thank you. Now, Lord, we come, Lord God, in many things that we have. Lord God, that we could ask you for and pray to you for, Lord God, but we just bless you first. <laughs> we say thank you for what you already done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for shelter. Thank you, Lord God, for clothing. Thank you for food. Thank you for keeping us out of those cold temperatures last night, Lord God. Even though we might feel a draft from a cut, from a from a from a gap in the wood, or a crack in the window, or or a space between the door, but Father, we still thank you. We still thank you because you provided what we have, and Lord God, we thank you for it. And God, as we come this morning, I pray, Lord God, I pray for my mothers and I pray for my fathers. I pray for these, your people that is on this line this morning. I pray for their bodies. I pray, God, you would give them strength. I pray, God, that you would touch them now from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet. And, Lord God, if there is anything in their body that's lying dormant, Lord God, I pray, God, that you remove it in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that you will be the surgeon that does the, the cut, and I pray, God, that you will be the surgeon to do the removal. I pray, God, that you will be the servant that, Lord God, will do the healing. Yes, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We got proof that you can do it, Lord God. There was a lady that she suffered for 12 years. She touched your him, God. You made a whole, Lord. Oh, there was a little boy, Lord God, laying there in the house of Jesus. You, you you blew your breath of life, and then he came back to life. Yes, he did. He stopped the funeral procession one day and touched the coffin and made a dead man get up and walk again. Oh, yes, thank oh God, you were walking by the graveyard. There was a man that was just as crazy as I don't know what, but God, you, he saw you, Lord God, and you asked him what his name, and you changed his name for Legion and gave him a name that it was his name, Lord. Father, we thank you. Thank you. We glorify you for it, Lord God. We don't take it for granted for what you've done and what you're doing. You're a great God, and you're great to be praised. And we thank you now for touching and regulating high blood and regulating sugar, regulating the heartbeats and the functionalities of the body, the kidneys, and all that it takes to keep us alive. We thank you, Lord. You're a great God, and you're great to be praised. And we praise you for that, Lord. Lord, we thank you for keeping us safe from uh, the disease and keeping our homes safe. Thank you for the angels that you have given us charge over us and kept us and watched over us all week, all night last night, Lord God. Oh, Mama used to sing a song, Lord God, all night, all day. Angels keep watching over me, my Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that that song may be a song of lyricals that someone written years ago, but it still stands today, and it's still manifest, and it still works today, and we thank you for it. Mm-hmm. Father, as we come this morning, God, we don't come with our boasting self, Lord God, and we don't come beyond ourselves. We come humbler to you, Lord. Father, we know that we need you in every hour and everything that we do. God, the jobs that you've given us, you gave us the ability to do it. If it's sweeping the floor or working or controlling a, a company or running um, the, the Senate floor or whatever you gave us, Lord God, you gave us the ability to do it. We thank you. 
And God, we pray, God, that you will continue to give us favor as we make decisions, as we have to do the things that we have to do. We pray, Lord God, favor upon our lives and favor upon our names, wherever our names is printed, Lord God. We pray favor, favor, favor in and down there at Dominion Power, favor, favor down there at the Water Department, favor, Lord God, down there at the, at the bank, Lord God, favor, Lord God. Oh, God, we thank you, Lord God, for favor. We thank you for your strength, Lord. Now, Lord God, look after those that can't look after themselves, Lord. Father, we just pray for those people that had to squeeze in the corner last night to keep themselves from the the brisk winds that was blowing. God, bless them and keep them. We pray, Lord God, that you will... Send, Lord God, a, a block and build a wall around them. Keep them from getting false bridges and, and, and dying of of, of, of of being cold, Lord God, being in the elements in Jesus' name. Thank you for touching hearts for those who donate and give, Lord God. We thank you for that. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this service. We thank you for the preached word that will come this morning and, and set our souls free and give us what we need. We thank you for that. At this time, we will pray, and uh, I know there are many things that's on your heart that maybe Pastor Booth missed and, and is on your heart. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Let's pray together. Amen. Windows of heavens are open. The fire is falling tonight. I got joy, joy down in my soul since Jesus made everything right. I gave him my old filthy garments. He gave me a robe of pure white. Now I'm feasting from manna from heaven. Yes. That's why I'm happy tonight. I'm happy, happy. And Father, we thank you. Thank you. Lord. We give you glory. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, Amen. Genesis chapter 6, 
first one. Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 says, When mankind began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful, and they took any they chose as wives for themselves. The Lord said, My spirit will not remain with mankind forever because they are corrupt. Their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth both in those days and afterwards when the Son of God came to the daughters of mankind who bore children to them. Verse 5, when the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. He was deeply grieved. And the Lord said, I will wipe out mankind whom I created off the face of the earth together with the animals, creatures that crawl, and the birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. A couple things I want to focus my attention on. Number one, the Lord regrets that he made man and number two I will wipe out all mankind I want to not focus too much on that in that context but I want to kind of use that as a backdrop today for our thought that's it I'm done that's it I'm done And all those in agreement with the word being read respond with a howdy. Amen. I've had some struggles since I've been in this little relationship thing called marriage. Had some problems, Mama Bell. One of those problems is I married a woman who loves to watch a lot of TV. Uh, Not TV as you know it. We don't sit down and watch the news or the soap operas or uh, comedy shows that uh, used to come on TV back in your day. But the wife likes to put on movies that uh, tend to make you think about things. She's a very analytical thinker, is the wife. Uh, One of the series that we have been watching, I'm glad you approved, by the way, uh, that we have been watching is a piece of business that came out some time ago called Supernatural. 
Supernatural is a, a series that was uh, on the CW. If you uh, have access to the Internet or Netflix or something of that nature, you can definitely go check it out. It's 15 seasons. It'll keep you busy for some time. But this particular business focuses on a lot of things that you read in the book of Genesis. It talks about God. It talks about the angels. It talks about Michael. It talks about Lucifer. Specifically. Lucifer, one of the main characters as you get towards the end of Supernatural because, as you know, Lucifer was the one who fell from grace. And falling from grace, he caused so much problems between the heavens and the earth. And in Supernatural, you get down there and you hear about this thing called the Nephilim. Mm. Uh, the Nephilim is this group of high, powerful babies, of boys and girls, half man, half angel. According to Supernatural, uh, the reason why the Nephilim is so important, so significant, is because Lucifer came down and in order to cement himself as a standard bearer of earth, he got a woman pregnant. And I was watching this particular movie or this particular part, should I say, of the series, and it kind of frustrated me. The woman, uh, and please forgive me for uh, not exactly or not going and beating up on the woman. The wife tells me all the time uh, when we watch these movies that I have a tendency to beat up on women, uh, that I have a tendency to feel like the woman is always stupid. I have found that sometimes I do do that, and I don't know why I do that. Maybe it's because, and please forgive me, but when you add in emotion, you add in the crying and the tears and the and the mo. I don't like a lot of noise, a lot of crying. See, men make silent stupidity moves. Uh, they don't talk about it. Sometimes they do, but most time when they most time they stupid is is subtle. And it's quick. When they hit you with it, you go, oh, you, that was stupid. But the women take you on an emotional journey on their way to stupidity. You got to process it. You got to think it through. And, and maybe that's why I beat them up so much, because it's so obvious to me where we're headed uh, on this journey to stupidity with them. I don't know why. I was trying to process it then. It started to make sense in my head, but then it lost translation somewhere between the brain and the mouth. But this woman was looking, and she knew. She knew what had happened to her. She knew that the devil had impregnated her. She knew that the devil had used her. She knew that the devil had put something in her that was just negative, but she was determined to hold on to it. She, she felt that life was in her baby. And I began to think about this, even though some parts of me thought it was stupid. The other part had to process it a little bit. I had to think about it like the wife said to do. 
sometimes women can get in a situation with men, they can get caught up in something, and and it reminds them of their their ignorance. It reminds them of the bad decisions that they made. It reminds them sometimes of how horrible of a person they are. But that little baby serves as all things right with the world. He or she is so innocent. He or she did nothing wrong. He or she will serve as a supporter, a cheerleader. I'm just shooting in the dark here because I don't really know what goes through a mother's mind as it pertains to her children, but I've had the opportunity to kind of sit on the sidelines and watch one or two, you see. And in watching, I've watched as these parents who are the victim of uh, after-club experience, the victim of a one-night stand and they cling to these children, some of these parents, at least at an early age, because that child has but one cheerleader. That child has but one supporter. And he looks up at his mother, and he looks up as his mother has done no wrong. He looks up as his mother is the greatest thing walking. Mama, you are my hero. And so she clings. Even though it may be the worst thing in the world, she clings. Another piece of business that came in this text or in this uh, series, this particular part of the series, is when it came time to figure out what to do with this woman. The name was Kelly, uh, who was carrying the baby of Lucifer in the movie, or in the TV series, should I say. And the angel that was on call here, uh, one named Castiel, uh, had come to a conclusion with his buddies, Sam and Dean Winchester, that the baby must be terminated. And it brought up a whole nother conversation, one that we are fighting today about the termination of babies, abortion, if you will. And his explanation for the termination of this baby was something that many people use when they're discussing abortion. Sometimes the argument is uh, delivered that allowing a baby of a certain situation to come to term does nothing but causes a bad situation to now be birthed into life. I'm not trying to tell you that abortion is right or wrong. I'm just trying to paint the picture based upon the arguments that are out there in these glorified streets. This argument, as I was saying The baby coming to term is a constant reminder of the negative act that happened. That baby will always have the portion of the negative because he will carry the attitudes, 
the genes, if you will, of both of his parents. You've known and heard, and many of you who are deep into the uh, science world, the genealogy world, that it is a thing called hereditariness. It's hereditary. It's the proper way to pronounce that word. Uh, if my daddy was a drunk and my mama was a drunk, that nine times out of ten I'm going to start drinking. If my mama was a drug pusher and my daddy was a drug pusher, then nine times out of ten I'm going to start pushing drugs. The list goes on and on because whatever came from your parents is somewhere down within you because you have that genetic herit, uh, hereditariness. I just butchered that word, but it's my word. Let me keep it. You got it in you. When you look at your attitudes, when you look at how you look, when you look at how I respond, you respond. You can trace it back if you really take time to think about it. That's why, if you ever notice why you can't really get along with your mama. The reason why you can't get along with your mama, Brother Eric, is because deep down inside you got traits of that just like her, and when you see it, it makes you mad. That's why you don't like your uncle sometimes, because you're just as nasty as he is when you want to be. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Mm-hmm. You won't supposed to agree with me. Uh-huh. You can cut people's throats just as hard as he can. You're just like him. You, we are products of our environment. It's hereditary. You hang around people cussing all your life, sooner or later you're going to start cussing. You hang around people that throw plates like frisbees, sooner or later you're going to pick up a porcelain china piece, and you're going to learn how to throw a frisbee and get them right out of the neck as the people by which you are connected to. Praise the Lord. Yes. You didn't learn how to play baseball with a frying pan upside your head on your own. It's been braided down in you. Your granny picked that frying pan up with that hot grease and spilt it all over his head and then whacked him with it. And now you know how to whack him. It's in your blood. <laughs> Who ain't know this coming? <laughs> I ain't know it was either. That's a good part about this. We in service. Sit down and be quiet. Uh, yes. That's why I enjoy therapy. You get a lot out in therapy. I feel better already. Now, let me see. I watched this particular movie is I try to get my train of thought back from my cackling hens disturbing me. <laughs> I watched it and I began to think about some things. <clears throat> I began to think about this text and how we have 
come full circle. You may not have known this because I didn't tell you, but uh, this past month I've been working on uh, this book, the first six chapters of the book of Genesis, which really between one and six uh, summarizes the beginning stages of the earth. We started in the beginning with the creation, and now we get to chapter 6 where God is tired and he's ready to wipe out everything that he has created. We've almost, in certain instances, come full circle. Now we look at this piece of business, and you see a God who is now angry. But more importantly than being angry, he's frustrated. And even more importantly than being frustrated, you have a God that's hurt. And if I can take it a little step further, get all the way down to that bottom part of the onion where the real part of the allergic induced section is that makes you cry like you lost something. You find a God that is hurt and full of regret. One of the horrible things in life is the feeling of regret. That moment when you look at what you have done and you wish you had never done it. He looked and he saw this thing that he had so much love for, so much passion. Let us make man in our own image. They will have what we have and they will do what we do, but somewhere along the line. The image the idea, the painting, the architectural design that was so perfectly put together began to shift. There was a crack in the human experiment. And God looked down and he saw wickedness. And he had regret. He saw men that were falling in love with women. And he saw women that were doing everything they could to entice men. And he got regret. It's hard when you find yourself in that situation. I was reading of an article, a famous rapper, you might know of him, most of you may not know of him, you don't listen to that type of music. But ask one of your grandchildren, they might know. I most certainly would, to be honest with you. Rapper named Drake. Drake had uh, spent some time on the road and, and he was in between dates or either concluding saying he met up with this young lady 
that he was intimately fond of, sexually attracted to. And so he did his due diligence knowing who he is. You got to do your due diligence when you're somebody important. You got $2 in your pocket. You got to make sure that girl really likes you and not them $2 you got, you understand? Sometimes love can get confusing when you when you got a, a certain equities. Uh huh. Love means a whole lot when you're broke, but when you got two, three dollars, love kind of loses translation. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, so Mr. Drake had did his due diligence made sure that it was consensual. That's another thing you got to make sure of in the world of Me Too. You almost now, Grandmama, got to do an interview before you have a relationship. You you got to check that girl out, get a background check, get one, two, or three references. Uh, make sure she's up to par. Take her down there and get a blood test. Make sure you didn't see the paperwork. Brother Drake did all of this. He thought he had everything in line and he then retreated to his bathroom after he did all of his due diligence and brought the, the girl up and they were getting ready to, you know, uh, do some things. He retreated to the bathroom. He came out all ready. You know, he had on the Rubbermaid. You know what that is. And he went and he did his business. And then he got up and retreated back to his bathroom. And the girl got up after he came out. She asked, can she go to the bathroom? And she went in the bathroom and and did some stuff. And long story short, uh, Mama Brickhouse, the girl, got mad and wanted to sue the boy. And the reason why she wanted to sue the boy is because, according to her, she set him up, or excuse me, uh, he set her up for failure and caused her emotional and physical distress. Uh, now, how did she get physical distress from just a sexual encounter that was consensual. Well, Mama Brickhouse, she got physical distress because she went into the bathroom and picked up the condom and tried to pour his maleness into her body. And Drake, being a smart gentleman, had poured some hot sauce in that piece of business. <laughs> and when she poured it in, she got a little burnt. Uh, uh, uh. And now she wants to sue. What kind of a world do you live in when even after you have consensualized it, you have made sure that it was an agreed-upon act, it still ends bad for you. 
This is one of the reasons why God looked down and he said, I'm done with this. Now, before you feel that this is a very depressing message, I don't know why you can be depressed. At least some folks are not depressed. I got some cackling hens that won't stop cackling. Somebody's making pancakes, eggs, and biscuits. Besides coffee, I can smell that all the way over yonder. Before you think this is depressing, the thing that I took from this was many of us have held on to stuff. We've held on to bad relationships. We've held on to bad situations. We have continued to let stuff fly on and on and on. And I took a message from the good Lord today. Sometimes the best option is to cut your losses is to realize that somewhere there was an error and to let it go. God looked down and he had to reconcile with himself. He had to come to terms with himself. How long does it take us to come to terms with our bad moments? I don't want to call them choices. I'll just call them bad moments. The reality of it is I don't, well, no, 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 let me backtrack. I don't believe. I don't believe that anybody goes into a situation with bad intentions. I believe everybody goes into a situation with pure Intentions. They really and truly believe that that girl was the right thing for, even though she was a Slytherin snake and she smelt like one and walked like one too. But you went in with good intentions. You wanted her to be right because your mama said that she was wrong, and your mama just don't want you to have nobody because your mama's just jealous of everybody. So you ignored mama not because you wanted to disobey mama, but the reality of it is if mama never taught you what's right and all she told you is everything was wrong, then the first thing you do is you go and you just do what you believe you do because you got no landmark. Yeah, I said it out loud. I did. All right, well, we move on. Sometimes I... Even had a conversation. Well, I since I didn't said it now, might as well go ahead and get out there and over. Me and my dear mama had a conversation some time ago. I was talking about a relationship. She told me, she said, and uh, one that I had, she said, let me sit down and give you relationship advice. I said, you want to do, huh? She said, let me sit down and tell you 
something about this girl you're dating. I think she's stupid. Oh, really? What's that, girl number 999? You think everybody's stupid. She said, well, I don't see nothing good in that relationship. That relationship ain't going to work. I need to tell you how what makes a good relationship. Well, this might be a good time to listen. You've had about 12 of them to this point, so maybe you'll learn something I need to hear. She told me, and nothing made sense. Mm-hmm. Because, as I just mentioned, that hereditariness, that product of my environment, that that thing that I had saw for so long is now being compared to what I'm hearing. Basically, actions speak louder than words. And that little piece of business that we like to tell folks, do as I Say not as I do is a hogwashing garbage idea, boy. You can't tell me don't drink when I'm smelling it all night and all day. You can't tell me don't smoke when the reefer is going up my nostrils until the smell of it has become normalized in my veins. You can't tell me. Don't chew when all I hear is skin all day long in my ears. <clears throat> and then you wonder, these folks wonder why the world is the way that it is. And then we get back to the reason again why there's regret. And so God regrets. He has this moment of hurt, as I mentioned. Does anybody ever talk about God being in pain? Or was he always this big, gigantic, egotistical fool that was always into himself, no care or worry about anybody else? I've never, not much at least, heard about the pain of God. The hurt of God. How can you invest so much into people only for them to turn on you? How can you give the best of your service only for them to turn on you, but that 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 aside, just just put that over in the corner and put a little pin in that for a moment, because to me it gets a little bit more complicated. It gets a little deeper. This this hole of pain gapes a little bit more. You got a God who did everything possible to the point where you get the hymnologist who asks the question, what more can he do? He was still confused, that hymnologist, so he had to ask it again. He said, I say, what more can he do? 
He didn't laid the foundation. He opened up the way. And then after he explained it, the hymnod just got confused even more, and he led back to the first question. I say one more. Can he do? Part of me wonders about if God had found himself at this mark. He found himself at this point in life where he just couldn't understand anymore. Now, I know you watch those movies on TV, and they depict God in very interesting ways. And, and I, 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 I grew up down at the Pentecostal church, you know. If God didn't come down in fire and spit on you in, in various words and made your tongue roll 17 times north-south at five miles an hour, you really didn't pay much attention to it. There was no physical thought, no uh, intellectual discussion as it was to God. God said it, that sells, and I'm done with it. I understand that. But now maybe, and this might be pushing heresy, that's all right. I got the left foot of fellowship 12 times at the church anyway. Most of them ain't going to let me back, so I can say that now in this moment of thought because I look at these movies and I think about it when they depict God in such a way and they show God crying at the bar. He's not drinking. He's not drunk. He's just there crying. And it made me think. Maybe, just like this movie is depicting, maybe somewhere along the line, this is the mindset of our creator. The one who looked down and said, I gave you houses and land. The wealth of the world was in my hand, and you went and you left me, and you chose to struggle. One thing don't make sense is when people want to do it on their own because they just don't want to be asking. And God has to sit by and watch as we as humans try to kill ourselves when all we got to do is ask. I don't want to be beholding to you. I don't want to be in your head. I don't want, I don't, no, no, I'm going to stay over here. I kill myself. I die out here working 14 jobs before I ask you for anything. And then... We looked at it on another scale. How did they get there? It goes back to the product of their environment because God has been portrayed in the same light as our parents. And our parents wouldn't give us a piece of toilet paper to wipe our behind without holding it over us. So we walk around with the poop hanging out our Behind because we just don't want to ask because we don't want it held over our head that we needed some toilet paper. All of this is what God came to regret. 
I can't get to my children, the people who need me, the people who want me, the people who can benefit best from me. I can't because there's been this blockage, this line of stupidity and ignorance, this trail of destruction, this trail of evil. And even the good ones down there, even the ones who just came in the world, who were just responsive to the birth system, now they are corrupted as well. Because the sad reality is we are born in sin and we're shaped in ignorance. So what do you do when you look around and everything that was good is now bad? What do you do when you look around and everything that was once beautiful is now horrible. What do you do when you look around and it's very poetic? I don't know why it was written this way, the Bible. I'm not trying to say this. there's some thing that uh, makes this the way it is. To me, it's just very interesting that all this happens in chapter 6. The symbolism, six days it took to build this, and in six chapters, it's all gone. Done. And he's at the moment when he has to ask himself a question, what have I done? crazy to think that God had to come to that moment. And despite all that, <coughs> he still saw somebody down there. We ain't got time to deal with him yet, but we saw somebody that slipped through the cracks. He saw somebody that slipped through the stupidity that that managed to escape his environment. He saw somebody down there. There's always hope. And he found, God did, that one piece of hope. What am I trying to say as I bring my mindset to a close this morning? I recognize that we all find ourselves in various, various situations, in undesirable, if you know. I understand that we find ourselves feeling as though everything we've ever touched is now worthless. We find ourselves, whether 
we'd like to admit it. Some folks don't really like to admit that they are depressed. They don't like to admit that they're hurt. It's almost taboo or bad, if you will, to admit that you're hurting. You hurt me sounds so, so weak. I'm in pain sounds so, so weak. So we hide, we macho ourselves up. I Ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm all right. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care. No, no. I ain't listening. I don't care. Go away, bad dream. I don't care. I don't care. But deep down inside, yes, you do. And to some degree, there is some truth to I don't care. That's a defense mechanism. You have just gotten to the point where the best thing to do is to not care. Because caring hurts. So much. But just like I look over and I see in chapter 6, as we head into chapter 7, and we're not going to deal with that. We'll come back to that some other time. As I said, it's very fascinating now that I think about it. Six days it took to create all this piece of business. In six chapters it was destroyed. But that seventh day he rested, and chapter seven is the dawn of hope. It's the dawn of a second chance. It's a new opportunity. It's light at the end of the tunnel. That's where, in this context, I believe that other great hymnologists found themselves in their own pit of darkness and despair, who found themselves beat up and busted in their own destructive situation, who found themselves in their own depression, heartache, and heartbreak. They found inspiration when they said, listen, I'm going to first admit to myself, because admitting you have a problem is the first step of recovery. I'm going to admit to myself that I have a problem. I'm going to admit to myself that it's dark. I'm going to admit to myself that it's gloomy. I'm going to admit to myself that part of these issues that I'm in is probably self-inflicted. I thought that I did certain things that I thought was right. I thought that this was the right path. I thought that I should move. I thought I should take this job. I thought I should go to this house. I thought I should be in this relationship. But now I realize Maybe I didn't need to do these things. 
and to some degree, the regret, the hurt, and the pain is leading me down a dark path. But guess what? There's a bright side somewhere. There's a bright side somewhere. And I have determined myself not to rest until I find it. Because even though this part has put me down, even though this part has burdened me and broken me, even though these people have left me in darkness and despair, I can see there's a bright side somewhere. My dear grandmother, Most gracious and all wise Father, we thank you. We thank you, O merciful Father, for all things. We thank you, dear God, because you love us so much. And as we come this morning, God, we have sinned against you. And we ask you, O God, to forgive us. Forgive us for our sins. Open up our eyes, dear God, that we may see. See ourselves. See the things that we are not doing, which you have asked us to do. Open up our eyes, dear God. And as we see it, God, help us to confess our faults before you, knowing that you love us in spite of all our shortcomings. You love us because you made us in your image. You love us, O God, in spite of our shortcomings. And we come this morning saying thank you. We thank you, God, because you said we confessed our faults. You are just to forgive us. And we come this morning saying, please forgive us. Forgive us, dear God, the things that we've done that wasn't right. The things that we've done because we felt that we was in control. But, oh God, we are not in control. And we ask you this morning to look down upon us with your hand of mercy. You said whatever we if we give you thanks in all things, because your mercy endures forever. And we just want to say thank you. We thank you for your love. In spite of all, God, you still love us. You still care for us. You still make a way for us. And we thank you this morning. We just want to say thank you. We thank you, God, because as we see ourselves, God, we know it's got to be a God that loves us. Because in spite of all we did, you still made a way. You still kept food on our tables, clothes on our backs, shoes on our feet. You still loved us, and you still love us now. Help us, dear God. Help us, dear God, to look to you, praise you, magnify you. Tell others, don't go that way. Tell others how good you are. And we just say thank you this morning. We want to thank you and praise you and magnify your holy name because you are God. And besides you, there is none other. All you see of us, God, but you still love us. 
and we said thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, God. We praise you, we magnify your name. And God, just thank you for being who you are, a God of forgiveness, of a God that casts all our sins in that sea of forgiveness. And we thank you. We thank you, dear God, we thank you. All we can say is thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your love, and your patience. And God, we just want to give you glory this morning. We give you glory, Lord, for all you do for us, for being there for us, opening doors for us, God, making a way for us, God, in spite of all our shortcomings. You've been there for us, and we just say thank you. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you. And, oh, merciful Father, we give your name. We give your name all the honor, all the honor, all the glory, all the glory, all the praises we give it to you. And surely, 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 goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And we say thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.